0: Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with 3 locations across the Triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair. All tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of 5-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com.
1: Friday afternoon, January the 7th, 2022. Brett Wiseman, your host this afternoon, alongside Josh Scott and Alex Wober. As for the first time in the history of this show, we are live. If you don't know who we are or what we do, we talk about the biggest stories in sports, not only in the region, but around the country, and we have a Roundtable of guests to uh, discuss things. Desmond Johnson, our wonderful producer, is on with us today as well as, as Josh and Alex. Uh, guys, let's get into... Uh, there. There's some, some not necessarily football-related headlines in terms of the NFL. We'll dive into the whole Panthers-Matt Rule fiasco uh, momentarily because Josh has some strong, strong words on that, um, but there's two stories I want to touch on first before we get to the calamity that is going to be uh, week 18 is the drama with, with Baker Mayfield and Antonio Brown. Now the feeling around the league is that Antonio Brown has, he's used his last token, so to speak. He's, he's done. He's out. Um, He's not getting another job unless it's in the USFL or Canada. Uh, I don't even see a reason why the Toronto Argonauts would sign him right now, for God's sake. But, I look, whatever it is, whether he's just aloof for mental health reasons or if he's just an idiot, I don't know. But we heard his side. We heard the Buccaneers' side. There doesn't need to be all this drama going into Week 18. Well, does there need to be, okay, Baker Mayfield's not starting. And then magically, as soon as he goes to get shoulder surgery, he's all of a sudden unhappy with play calling. In, in, my, in my mind, Baker Mayfield being unhappy with play calling is not the issue. You go back and watch the last three or four games, his footwork, his form is so off. Go back to that Green Bay game specifically, all four of his interceptions he either arched his back too much and threw a, a balloon ball, or he tried to throw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball into a Brett Favre-esque window. Baker Mayfield's simply trying to do too much with what he's given, and he's putting the blame on someone else.
2: For me, the Baker Mayfield situation, it, it, it's a it's a tricky situation, Brett, because of the success that they had last season. And they went very far in the playoffs, uh, almost won uh, an AFC championship. Uh, I don't think play calling is the issue whatsoever. And and it's not weapons either, because he's had OBJ for a a short stint. He has an up-and-coming receiver in Donovan Peoples-Jones. He still has Jarvis Landry. And he's got possibly the best running back duo in the NFL. So, to me, it sounds like Wherever the, the word is coming from about Baker uh, not happy with the play calling, it sounds like a lot of excuses uh, if it is coming from Baker Mayfield. Because if it's that's coming from inside the, the building
1: or if it's coming just from, you know, like Baker Mayfield said about the, the report itself, that it was clickbait. Not going to sit here and say it was or it wasn't. It might have been. It more than likely wasn't. But um, like you said, p- play calling can't be the issue. It can't be the offensive line either. Um, The the blame falls solely on Baker Mayfield for his form. And look, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that this non-throwing shoulder has basically been half-separated for the past 14 weeks. But Baker Mayfield, the only place he's going to be until April, whether he's traded or not, is at home with himself and progressive.
2: And, no. and let's let's not, you know, sh- if, if it is, you know, if the shoulder is that significant of an injury, then, you know, yeah, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one because, you know, it's hard to play through an injury, uh, such as a, being a quarterback with a shoulder injury. But he is the number one overall pick. He's got a lot of pressure on him. And to carry that organization that has been uh, a dumpster fire for the past t- – 20, 30 years. think
1: Brown's fans are looking at that, you know, laundry list of quarterbacks and saying, Hey, look, we finally found a way to make it stop printing itself.
2: And and, and then, Oh God,
1: here we go again.
2: And and all, and now as soon as they get that quarterback, it's, he wants to be traded or he wants to request a trade. So I I think if, if you're a Brown's fan, uh,
1: that's where the the report gets me too, is it's, it's very weird. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. So if he wants out, do they let him walk? I don't know if they can franchise tag him at that point. I I I, I don't know. It's a weird situation. Let's let's move on. Uh, Josh, there have been people uh, in and around you that have been known. Uh, I actually got a text from somebody uh, the other day that lives down the street from you that said I can hear fire Matt rule chants from four houses down, and they're very loud and very aggressive. Um, so we know how you feel on it. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah, most definitely, Brad. I mean, yeah, if you look, I, wa- I remember watching the, the Hornets game a uh, night or two ago. They beat the Pistons by 30, and I'm watching the post-game show, and there are fans behind the hosts of the game show talking about the chanting Fire Matt Rule. And I believe the game before, there were some fans that actually had T-shirts that had the words Fire Matt Rule on their shirts. It was crazy.
1: I believe me, the Rockets but... game, there were a few people behind Ashley Somity and – uh and Wes there that did have fire Matt rule shirts on.
3: Right. It, it's, it, it's crazy to me that I've never seen a fan base this upset about a, a coach that they just hired that w- or that was just hired two years ago and is still on a seven year deal. And uh, I never thought it would be the fan base that uh, I consider myself to be a part of. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's getting bad and it's getting bad quickly. And, uh, this is going to be a very interesting off season for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, to put it to put it uh, lightly,
1: yeah, to to put it mildly, and, and we'll bring Dez into this real quick. Uh, Dez, also being a Panthers fan, you've been very staunch from when we've talked and what I've seen you post about where you think the direction of this franchise is going, even before Cam came back.
4: Yeah. To an extent, Skylar Callahan, uh, beat writer for the Panthers for Sports Illustrated, he's my uh, podcast host for the Believe in Panther podcast, and he, you know, weekly walks me off the ledge from uh, wanting to, you know, just leave Matt Rule at whatever city we were in at the airport, Antonio Brown style, and just come back to charlotte but. No,
1: no no wait wait that wouldn't involve like just taking your shirt and your pads off trying to run into a boy's car <laughs> would it by chance
4: i don't know if i want to see uh matt rule do that but uh yeah no no, that, no. <laughs> I, I will say this though for the for those i understand because i understand the frustration of panther fans right now i really really do because this isn't really just a two-year thing this is really a four-year thing we haven't made the playoffs since tepper bought the franchise four years ago so this kind of leaks over to the last two years of rivera and now Rule is kind of getting those two years added on to the two he's had, which one was a COVID year uh, where he he couldn't even see his players until August. And then you have this year where you don't have McCaffrey for the majority of the year again. Your offensive line's a mess. Uh, You bring back a guy you let go and Cam Newton. I'm starting to get the feeling that Rule did not want him there to begin with uh, to come back. So my question is, for those that want Matt Rule to leave, who are you going to replace him with?
1: Look, there's there's a lot of good candidates in my mind. A lot of them are currently being interviewed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was gonna say I have Uh, one right
4: now that uh, the the billionaire owner David Tepper could go and back up a brinks truck (laughs) to right now and probably go get, and it was the guy I wanted in the first place. He lives in Ann Arbor, and his name is Jim Harbaugh. Interesting,
1: interesting.
4: And all of a sudden, it's out there that he's interested in making it back to the NFL. So
3: there you go, Josh. Listen, you know, I, I'm not going to – I'm not a, the type of guy to defame anybody, and I'm not, you know, going to go on Twitter like some Panther fans out there that I know who are just going to rant all day about how much they hate Matt Rule and how much they think he should be fired. I'm not that type of person. But I will say this. If he doesn't get things turned around in year three, and, I yes, I do believe David Tepper is bringing him back for a third year, you know, there's nothing else – there's nothing else you can say. I mean, I think two years for a new NFL coach, he's still kind of getting his foundation built for a team that, yeah, like you said, Desmond offensively has, has not been great this season. Offensive line is going to be the number one priority. I believe for this team uh, going be. into the NFL draft. I, I first two picks have to be offensive linemen. It uh, have to be, um, and maybe you get a quarterback in there. I, I don't know. How, I don't know if that's going to work, but, but, you know, if, you, if you
1: end up late top 10, mid first round, like it's looking, that's there's going to be three or four quarterbacks in that range of the first round, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, and one or two others are probably going to be in that range of the draft. So. Right. And, 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 uh, I think, you know, the way that Sam Howell
3: played against the, the Gamecocks the other day, he could definitely be a, a late first rounder, early second rounder and, you know, I think Malik Willis from Liberty also could be towards the uh, late first round as well. But that as much as I hate to say it, quarterback does not need to be the focus of this team right now. Unfortunately, uh, I, mean, I could even see the option of, you know, this this team rolling with Sam Darnold for one more year, considering the fact that, you know, this offensive line it needs to be fixed and needs to be fixed immediately. That needs to be number one on the list. And again, we, we're, we're going to have we're paying Darnold 18 and a half million dollars next year. million. Now, was that a great decision by Rule and Tepper to do? Absolutely not. We're seeing that. But if you can be patient one more year, possibly, and let Darnold prove himself in this next year with a better offensive line, at least two, maybe three potential starters getting from uh, the draft, you know, I, I see that as an option as well. But um but yeah i mean desmond you've mentioned it this offense offensively this panthers team is, has has not been good and this fan base is getting restless and they're getting restless very quickly
1: i think the frustration is palpable and it almost doesn't matter who the head coach is right now because the frustration is with the organization as a whole i'm not saying matt rule has done a fantastic job because he's frankly he's done a terrible job and the offense he was supposed to rewrite has become inept so Well, I'll say this,
3: Brett. I mean, yeah, clearly 10 wins in the the last two seasons doesn't look good for your resume. But, again, has Rule had a consistent quarterback to play with? No. Sam Darnold has not been that guy. P.J. Walker isn't that guy. Cam Newton is not that guy. I mean, and he's getting up there in age. I don't think he's going to be around for much longer as it is. So, a consistent quarterback Matt Rule has not had on on this team – a good offensive line. Also, he has not had on this team. So part of me wonders if you add those two factors in either next season, maybe the season after, maybe things start to change for the, for the better. Um, And uh, so I, I I, I agree with you in the sense that statistically this team with Matt rule as head and coach has not been great the last two seasons, but he hasn't had all the pieces that he that he needs I just want to put that out there
1: yeah absolutely got to get in the break here we'll get to what's sure to be a wild week eight team we'll look at uh, all that a lot of storylines to get to on the gridiron as well you're listening to The Score on Tobacco Road Sports Radio stick around
4: you are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com you are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio's TGIF lineup Cause
1: it's you ain't got no
4: job I, mean, what is I didn't set this up. I didn't know nothing about this. This is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Let me tell you about that. Hey,
5: thank you. You're welcome.
4: TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Kim source direct is a single source supplier in business since 2007. They have over 80,000 products for customers just like you located in the heart of North Carolina. They supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast, whether you're a commercial business office or municipal building looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service. They've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and say Kim source direct while seven South Park drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990
5: order from the website at
4: direct.com.
5: The wait is over. Simply Sonya's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week, starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern Cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonya's catering specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem.
4: Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the Triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707. Or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Craving fried chicken? Stop by One Stop on the way to the big game. One Stop number six, located at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville, serves fresh fried chicken and famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Craving wings? Come try the new spicy breaded wings. Get a five wing meal with six taters in a roll for just seven thirty-nine. dollars Now in regular, hot, ranch, or spicy. One stop number six, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Looking to change things up a little? Visit Salon Resi. Located at 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy, Salon Resi is the newest high-end, full-service salon and spa in the triad. Salon Resi's spa includes massages and skin care. Get a full highlight treatment, shampoo and style, color and retouch, and much, much more. Salon Resi, where passion and creativity meet. 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy. The Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully it's this year.
1: And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now.
4: Like, that's the thing that's kind of tripping me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irving and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a point, like on a show or something. Like Three, two, one, Kurzville, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Versailles Eagles have just won Class 4A state championship. On the line with NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything particular to get you hyped before a race? I'm um, in like the heavy metal stuff, like the screamo stuff, the stuff you can't understand.
3: <laughs> That's right a my alley. Tie game at 41. Murray takes the snap. Fade. Right corner of the end zone for Timmins. He oh bobbled God. it. Emmett honed it in, in the right corner of the end zone. Darrell Timmins
4: Jr. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for Triad Sports. Welcome back to the score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.
1: Enterprise Enterprise welcomes us back back. from break here on The Score with Brett Wiseman, joined alongside Alex Wilbur and Josh Scott. Yes, much like Bubba Wallace, I do enjoy the heavy metal and the the, the screaming, but we've absented the vocals. You can save your eardrums because they're important in order to listen to what we have to say because we're also very good at what we do. Uh, The first ever Week 18 in NFL history um, provides some, shall we say, unique Uh, scenarios, the, the, the most unique of which I told you guys about this earlier in the week, we, we have a group chat. I told you guys about this earlier in the week. If by some miracle of the imagination, the dumpster fire, that is the Jacksonville Jaguars beats the Indianapolis Colts, which it's worth noting. The Indianapolis Colts have not won in the city of Jacksonville since 2014. It has been seven years since they beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. If the Jaguars, by some miracle, win that game, both the Raiders and the Chargers, which have been flexed to the Sunday nighter because the expectation is that's a win in the end for whoever wins that game. If Jacksonville beats Indianapolis, both LA and Las Vegas would make the AFC playoffs with a tie. Yes. So theoretically... If Jacksonville beats Indianapolis, both the Chargers and Raiders could take knees for the entire game and both go to the playoffs. So uh, I pose you this question. And, of course, none of us can, can come from, from the player's perspective because we've never got to that high a level. That's why we're sitting here doing this. Um, would you ever go into a game I don't know that I would. I don't know that it, I've never seen it happen. Therefore, I don't think it's possible me- mentally or to actually go out there and do it. Would you ever try to intentionally tie? And is that even a thing you can pull off?
2: Well, one for one thing, <clears throat> uh, head coach, Brandon Staley, already came out with a comment saying that they're going to try and win that game. Not exactly how the comment was stated, but basically said, we're going to try and win. But – to get back to your question, Brett, I mean, if both guy if both teams just kneel it out, I mean, what well, I don't see a problem with it because if you're if you come into that game and Jacksonville does win, you're the Raiders and you're the Chargers, you're thinking, come at midfield, hey, let's just kneel this one out. It's it's a win win scenario. Why I mean, I understand the mentality, you know, of we want to win every single game, but there doesn't have to be a loser in this matchup, you know.
1: Uh, but, again, this is all dependent upon the result of the Jacksonville-Indianapolis game. But while it's not impossible, it's also not likely. But it's it's fun for us to sit here and be like, hey, if, if this actually happens, you know, um, Indianapolis can still lose the game, and then whoever wins that Raiders-Chargers game would then knock the opponent out, and Indianapolis would get that other spot. So... Look, here, here's, here's your Colt scenarios. Also, if you've been watching Hard Knocks in season, very good, by the way. I highly recommend uh, go watch it. We, they should do that every year. They should have done it a long time ago. It's fantastic Absolutely. to do it in season. I enjoy it a lot more than I do uh, the training camp stuff. But um, Indy wins, they're in. They tie, they're in. But that's also highly unlikely. If they lose, the Chargers have to lose, plus Baltimore and Pittsburgh have to tie, or, if they lose, L.A. loses, Pittsburgh's got to lose, and the Dolphins have to win. So, there's also uh, one seed uh, things to, uh, to, to look at here. The, the Bengals, of all people, have a shot at the number one seed. Uh, the only two things that have been decided, the only three things that have been decided in the AFC are the Bengals and the Titans have won their divisions. The Bills and the Patriots, the AFC East is still up for grabs. The AFC West is still—well, it's not up for grabs. The Chiefs have it. Uh, But there's a lot to be decided. The NFC East is still up for grabs. Um, Pittsburgh's going to need a lot of help to get in. They've got to win. Indy's got to lose. And somebody has to lose between Vegas and the Chargers. That game cannot end in a tie. Uh, So here's your one-seed clinching scenarios. Uh, For the Titans— they, they win, they have the one seed, period. It, it's a win and get the one seed scenario just as Green Bay had it uh, last week, who, by the way, we'll get to this later in the segment. Uh, they are starting uh, every one of their first teamers, both on offense and defense, uh, mm. in that game against uh, Detroit. Uh, Matt LaFleur confirmed that today. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Kansas City has to win. Tennessee has to lose for the Chiefs to get the one seed. Uh, we know how important that one seed is now, more so than it has been in past years, because there's only one first-round buy. Uh, New England will clinch the AFC's number one seed with a win, a Bills loss, a Kansas City loss, and a Titans loss, so they need a lot of help to get that done. Uh, more importantly, and I think the more possible thing here is, they can they win, and Buffalo loses or ties, they get... The uh, the AFC East title. So, uh, from their perspective, Buffalo's got the Jets. So, and the Jets played Tampa Bay really tough last week. Made Antonio Brown quit football again. <laughs> so, so some, somebody went and told me that Antonio Brown was so afraid of losing to the Jets he just straight up quit mid game, like he just rage quit. Like, I feel like it was one. Of, it could have been one of those things in Madden. You're playing somebody online and ultimate team is like a 79 overall. You're like, I got this. Like, I have an 88 overall team. I'm good. And he's blasting you 48 to nothing by halftime. You're throwing your controller through the wall (laughs) because you're losing to a team you should be kicking the crap out of. No, that's not actually what happened, but it's fun to consider. Um, Antonio Brown needs to be, like, done
4: done with the like no team should touch Antonio Brown there should be some sort of cohesive I don't want to say blackballing but we've seen it happen in the NFL to certain players <clears throat> Colin Kaepernick
1: <coughs> Colin Kaepernick we, we
4: know that it's possible that these teams can collude to not sign a player the problem here is the problem that every talented player runs across that's got some trouble within them and that's if you're still able to contribute to a team to help them win they will look the other way until they can't. And that's literally what Tampa just did. Like that he, is the definition you
1: know, of what just happened.
4: He stripped down half butt naked and <laughs> and and did jumping jacks <laughs> across the Jets end zone while the game is going on.
1: And while, <laughs> like, while he's not the first person in MetLife Stadium to have jumping jacked half naked across the end zone, he's he is the, the, the first person that's actually been in the game. Yeah, he's the it.
4: first active NFL player to do it. While, while the Tampa Bay offense is on the field. Like down at the other end of the field, they're like, what is going on? Like, and then I'm seeing this stuff about uh him, you know, the whole thing. I had MRI on my ankle, blah, blah, blah. Bruh. I just watched Antonio Brown shred my Carolina Panthers like the week before, like 11 days He didn't even
1: look like his ankle had a nick on it.
4: 10 (laughs) catches over 100 yards. Like he destroyed us. And like they asked him about the ankle after the game. He said, nah, that's just a concoction the media made up to make it look worse than it is. I'm supposed to believe this dude. On his medical stuff, and he <laughs> just got suspended for three weeks for lying and on faking medical. Faking a board? vaccine card. Sorry, it's a felony. By I the way, I'm going to save it for Saturday morning rundown. Saturday morning, ten o'clock on uh, it's back radio.com. Well, I was going to save it, but I, I can't save it anymore. I'm sorry. I, this Antonio Brown things really got
1: me. The bothered. steam is coming yeah. out of Desmond Johnson's ears. I mean, it is just. Expensive. Exploding shouldn't even be like he shouldn't even be a topic anymore. This should
4: have ended after the Raiders.
2: If I may add about Antonio Brown, hear me out. We we all are thinking the same thing that Desmond just said. But do we give him the Josh Gordon treatment, where he's been in the league? He has the talent. I don't know that this is
1: the same situation. It's not.
2: It's by far not the same situation. But it. You know, those those are two players, maybe Josh Gordon a little less, but two players that are still able to play that have gone through chance after chance after chance. Do we still give Antonio Brown the benefit of the doubt because he still is able to contribute to a team?
4: I mean, and this is the sad thing about it. You could make an argument that Antonio Brown is the number three wide receiver of all time. That's the sad thing about all of it. If you go look at his stats, like he's done things that no other wide receiver has ever done. But all of it's going to be forgotten because of all the stuff he's done off the field. And he's not helping when he does stuff like, like, I don't even know the stuff that he posted, the messages with him and Bruce Arians. I don't even know if that's Bruce Arians. You know there's what I mean? Like, he's, There's he's no way for us to know. We don't know. We have there's no no way for
1: us to confirm nor deny that.
4: Yeah, and then Tampa just like, well, you know what? We're just going to cut him. And like Tampa was trying to get him his money. He wouldn't go to the 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 thing to get checked out by them so they could pay him to not play. Like, what's going on? <laughs> what he do was doing?
1: what, like eight or nine catches away from? Uh, five catches. Five. Yeah, five catches away from a bonus or like two touchdowns away from another bonus. Like, mm-hmm. this Which he would have costly, gotten. He would have gotten if he, hadn't, if he
4: hadn't been suspended for three games for faking a vaccination card. He would have got it two weeks ago you know what I mean like like all of this is on him he is doing all of it and I still see people defending him and I'm just like why why are we defending this dude
2: yeah I don't want to make it sound like I'm defending him at all because I'm (laughs) uh, in agreement with you guys but he he just and I I've seen this the the tweets the stories is it is it CTE mental health you know I I just think the guy's a nut job at this point at
1: this point Look, and, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that mental health slash Vontez Perfect cause CTE could be the problem. Um, because, Desh you made this point uh, to somebody the other day on Facebook that it's almost like everything's been different for him mentally since the incident with Vontez Perfect.
4: Yeah. I mean, th- you never heard anything about Antonio Brown off the field until after that hit. And then after that hit, what was the first thing? It was him uh, videotaping inside the Steelers' locker room after a win or whatnot, something you're just not supposed to do. And for some reason, he was doing it. Uh, That kind of snowballed to the point where Mike Tomlin, if Mike Tomlin has gotten to the point where he's just done with you, for starters, Mike Tomlin may have done one of the greatest coaching jobs of all time because if Antonio Brown was like this before the Burfitt hit, we never heard anything about it. That's a testament to Mike Tomlin. Cause that's like eight years where we Absolutely. didn't see anything, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just started bubbling over. And once he got out of that Steeler umbrella and ended up with the rate, well, with
1: the Patriots and the Raiders and now with Tampa and now. Well, Who he, was, so he was with the Raiders for about as long as Chris Humphries was married to that, to the Kardashian, but a training camp. I mean, about <laughs> so, so yeah, it. about 65 days.
4: Yeah, roughly. Yeah. About two months. Uh, you know, had enough time to get a uh, frost burn on the bottom of his feet and, uh, Complain about a helmet that he didn't want to wear, cussed out the GM like on the field in front of
1: the team. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are we doing? You know, you know where he's heading—an MTV reality show. Oh, and to I add see it to Ooh. add to that, Brett,
2: to make it even the the moment of the this last Sunday's game even better, Antonio Brown. You, you would think after an event like that, you know, gonna probably go on some sort of show for an interview or he's going to get his part of the story out. He did it on Twitter. You know, you think at ESPN, maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know, any other podcast. Uh, he goes yeah, on the uh, Nelk boys podcast.
1: How about Dr. Phil? How about Maury? <laughs> yeah. How about one of those? Yeah.
2: <laughs> he, he goes on the Nelk boys podcast. First thing he says, or first part of the clip that I saw, he thought about mooning the crowd what? <laughs> a, part,
1: a part of his fiasco. The, 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 the best part about it was security was going to tackle him because they thought he was a shrieker. They thought. He was
4: yeah. Yeah. They mistaken him when he was coming through the tunnel. Like, who are you? Oh, that's Antonio Brown. What are you doing? Where's your shirt? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's crazy. I, mean, <laughs> oh, I, don't my it. I really don't. I really don't understand it.
1: Well, the only other place people were shirtless and on the field was Lambeau uh, last Sunday night, where by the way, it was a, a balmy zero degrees Um, but Green Bay in a dome is going to play their starter Sunday. They have nothing to play for. We all know I'm a Packers fan. Am I a fan of this? Yes and no. Do I agree with Matt LaFleur's sentiment that I don't want any of my guys getting essentially a three-week layoff? Yes, because this is not the preseason. But you essentially have to treat this like a preseason game. At the very least, get them reps and then get them the heck out of there So Aaron's toe doesn't explode. So Devontae Adams doesn't magically pull a hamstring on field turf. Nobody has a non-contact injury in a dome. We know that can happen more in domes and on turf than other places. I'm all for getting them reps. But especially when David Bakhtiari and Jair Alexander are like this close to coming back, you can't risk anything right now. And I'm all for them starting. I'm not for them playing the entire game. If they play beyond even... If they play beyond halftime, I might drive to Green Bay because I do own stock. So I have a, some, some sort <laughs> of a say. You've got a little bit of a, yeah, a little skin in the game. Yeah, I mean, they send me mail and stuff. It's, you know, but <laughs> I get letters in the mail. It's, it's fine. None of your NFL <laughs> team sends you any mail.
4: Did they send you, like, a fancy medallion or something? That, like, I, I, do pla- I do have on a one plaque.
1: And- yeah, I, I do have a plaque. It's displayed very prominently in my brand-new apartment, by the way. As soon as you come in the door, it says, hey, the person who lives here is an NFL owner. God. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. No no one does. Every time yeah. I bring this up, everybody calls me an idiot. But
2: I, I'm on the same page with you, though, Brett, with, with the amount of play time that – the starters should see for green Bay. I think, you know, anywhere past halftime, third quarter is alarming because you get these guys back like David Bakhtiari and Jair Alexander. If you're winning, you can take them out. And if you're losing, you can take them out. And nobody, I, I, especially if you're a Packers fan, Brad, I'm sure you would like to see Jordan love, get a few more reps against NFL
1: caliber team. Heck. I'd like to see Kurt Benkert play just because I love <laughs> the guy, but very entertaining follow on Twitter. Uh, speaking of, before we go to break, um, my tweet of the week, we'll get to it in a little bit. The, the, the writer from Chicago uh, that said all that about Aaron Rodgers um, came out with a statement the other day saying he made a terrible mistake. Our tweet of the week uh, comes from Ryan Schoberg, uh, who turned half of that quote into, I made a terrible mistake Tuesday with my Aaron Rodgers comments. It was completely my fault as there's a deep drive into left field by Costiganos, and that'll be a home run. And so that'll make it a four to nothing ball game. So uh, if anything, um, the man Aaron Rodgers called the bum did a very good job channeling his inner Tom Brenneman. Uh, when we come back, uh, guess where we're going next? We're staying here at Tobacco Road. Tobacco Road Roundup. Steve Wiseman joins us right after this.
4: You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.
5: The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonya's catering specials. Open now. Simply Sonya's Southern cuisine and cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem.
4: You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio, your home for Triad Sports.
0: You know this, man.
4: Purchase your tickets now for the 2022 Softball Expo, January 14th and 15th, at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte at Liberty Hall. Nationally known speakers from around the country include CJ Beatty, Tony Medina, matt lizley and more vendors with the latest softball equipment uniforms tournaments and technology coaches clinic on friday for travel and high school coaches autograph sessions raffles for free equipment and much more players wear your team jersey on saturday and get in free for more information visit diamondstarevents.net looking to change things up a little visit salon resi Located at 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy, Salon Resi is the newest high-end, full-service salon and spa in the Triad. Salon Resi spa includes massages and skincare. Get a full highlight treatment, shampoo and style, color and retouch, and much, much more. Salon Resi, where passion and creativity meet. 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336 993 7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year.
1: Hopefully, it's this year. And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, Hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now. Like, that's the thing that's
4: kind of tripping me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irving and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a point, like on a show or something. Three, two, one, Kirschville, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Versailles Eagles have just won Class 4A state championship.
5: On the line with
4: NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything particular to get you hyped before a race? Oh, I'm in like the heavy metal stuff, like the Sereno stuff, the stuff you can't
6: understand.
3: <laughs> That's right up my alley. Tie game at 41. Mur takes the snap. Fade. Right corner of the end zone for Timmons. He oh bobbled God. it and then honed it in the right corner of the end zone. Terrell Timmins, Jr.
4: TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for
5: triad sports.
4: One stop number six, located at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's the holidays, and what better way to feed your parties and gatherings than one-stop chicken? Get the whole thing. feeds eight people, 16 pieces of chicken, 30 taters, 8 rolls, and 8 sides of coleslaw or potato salad for only $34.79. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. That's one-stop number six. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the Triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.
1: Like lost flames, welcomes us back to the score this afternoon here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, tobaccoroadsportsradio.com. And pleased to be joined by Durham Herald Sun writer Steve Wiseman this afternoon, the man, the myth, the legend, my uncle, if you didn't catch that already by the last name. Uh, if you've listened to us before, you probably know who he is, too. But if you live in this state, you also very likely know who he is. Um, the man when it comes to Duke hoops, but not only Duke, uh, but also the ACC uh, Duke, which sits third in the ACC standings, currently behind Louisville and a very, very surprising 4-0 and uh, Miami team. Granted, all their ACC games have been at home, but when you look at the grand scheme of things, especially when you look at the top 25, Steve, Duke is really the, the the cream of the crop here for the ACC. And that's not something we say very often, that there's one team that's, you know, the cream of the crop. Normally it's, you know, at least three or four, in fact, a handful.
6: Yeah, you know, um, as recently as, you know, three years ago, the 2019 NCAA tournament, uh, the ACC produced three number one seeds, Duke, Carolina, and Virginia, and Virginia won the national championship. So uh, that's what we're used to in the ACC but it's been a few years since the ACC's done that, and this is this is another year like that. Uh, the conference seems to be in a little bit of a rut, uh, similar to uh, earlier, you know, last decade from, from 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. That was four years in a row that the ACC did not have a Final Four team, which is you know as long a stretch as you'll see. And um, so here we are again. It looks like you know the only hope this year is Duke. Uh, you mentioned Louisville and Miami, both 4-0 uh, in the conference. Uh, surprise for Miami—they've played all their games at home. You mentioned so they come to Cameron uh, Saturday night, and that'll be their first real test in conference play. And we'll see what they're all about there. But the problem is that the the brand names outside of Duke are not producing this year like they normally are. Virginia, Carolina—I mentioned them. Uh, you know, Syracuse is sitting at 7-7 overall right now. Uh, even Florida State, which in past the past five six years here has become a regular at the top of the standings. Is sitting here at seven and five and coming off a pretty lopsided loss to Wake Forest on it earlier this week. So that that's what's going on in the league right now. Um, kind of waiting for somebody else to to jump up and join Duke.
1: It's when you look at where the standings are right now. Um, the only team I could it's only two teams I could really see that could jump back into this are maybe a Notre Dame and and maybe a Wake Forest. I mean, Wake Forest is 7th in the ACC standings right now, but only because they are 2-2 and in the ACC. Um, They had that tough loss against Louisville uh, uh, last week, but uh, you mentioned it, the blowout win over Florida State. Uh, This is a Wake Forest team that gives Steve Forbes a lot of credit. He used to transfer transfer portal masterfully and... Basically, patchwork together a roster that, you know, at at various points of the non-conference play, I thought should have at least gotten votes in the AP poll uh, because they were playing that well. Um, and there's a lot of seasoned graduate veterans in that group, um, which is why I think there's the potential there for them to make a jump, not necessarily past a North Carolina or a Virginia or a Duke, but at least into the top four or five of the acc before the tournament
6: oh I, I clearly think so i think uh what he's done you mentioned masterful that's a great word for it he's he, he is he's uh, attacked it uh roster building like a modern college coach should uh the transfer portal is the biggest way to do it fastest way to turn it around now there's no more sitting out a year uh it's like free agency in pro sports you can turn your season around turn your team around very quickly and and uh, props to him for doing it. Uh, he's He's been great about that. And uh, it's it's nice to see, frankly, right? It's nice to, to see energy pumped back into the Wake Forest basketball program, which there hasn't been a lot of that, uh, you know, in the last really 10 years. Uh, I, don't, for, uh, I don't
1: think I've seen the Joel as alive as I did for a couple of those home games, the Northwestern games, specifically in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, in at least five years. Yeah. Since they made the tournament in 16 uh, with, uh, with the Bryant Crawfords of the world. Um, right. But this is a team that, yeah, you might not know a lot of the names because they've come from all corners of the country. But Steve Forbes is, a, a, a among every, a, amongst everything else, or above everything else, I should say, Steve Forbes is a master motivator. He turned a program in East Tennessee State into a consistent winner in the Southern Conference to where there were two or three years there where if, if you were a Davidson, a Chattanooga, if you got to ETSU, you basically knew you were done. Right. And same thing happened with, with Winthrop in the Big South. These mid-major coaches are able to take their programs to these heights, not because they're necessarily masterful recruiters or they use the portal so well. Uh, which wasn't there for Steve Forbes when he started at, uh, at ETSU. But look at UNC Wilmington with Kevin Keats. Kevin Keats has the job at NC State because of the job he did at UNC Wilmington. And it's not recruiting, it's mentality, it, it's, it's the motivation factors, it's the sheer coaching talent that a guy like Steve Forbes has. To, to, to bring all these guys in from all areas of the country, Pats work them together. And not only is this team playing well, they're playing together.
6: Right. Which, you know, who knew if that was going to happen going into the year, right? I mean, you knew they had all these players and uh, he has got them to play as a cohesive unit, which I can tell you firsthand is a challenge every year that coach K uh, since they've gone to the, you know, basically the one and done model for the last eight, nine years here is a, is a annual challenge for them. And they, they've, taking different approaches to it every year, almost trying to get the the most out of what they got for the one year. And, uh, and he's been, uh, Steve Forrest has been able to do it, you know, very quickly uh, with, with, you know, veteran players, who came from other schools, but yet, you know, they, they learn other systems, but they come in here and they know what they're doing. You know, he gets it, he gets, he gets the social media part of things. You talk about the motivation, he can market, you know, he, he's very, um, very open in that way. Just a, just a breath of fresh air for Wake Forest and for the ACC and, yeah I mean they're they're in a position where they're gonna be up you know competing for a double bye this year because frankly there's a lot of, there's a lot of wins to be had in the ACC this year that normally aren't aren't there to be had right somebody can move up very quickly and you know Wake can be up there you know thir- sixth, fifth, fourth maybe uh, maybe even third of it you know if things turn out right uh, I don't see him you know beating Duke for the championship by any stretch uh, on the conference season but but they're right there they're, they they should be able to do this this year. And
1: let's let's stay on Duke for a second. I agree with everything you just said right there about Wake Forest. I think you know they're going from, um, you almost assumed they'd play on Tuesday to they're going to get a double bye, um, which is a complete flip of the script from uh, the past couple of years. Uh, let's stay on Duke though. Uh, you mentioned we mentioned Miami has not played any true road games as far as conference goes. They've only played two road games period, the entire season. They've played four games neutral site, nine games total at home. Four of those nine home games have been in ACC play. So they've only had two true road games. They've won both of them, but they were on the road against in-state opponents that they had a contract with six years ago they knew were coming and um, weren't necessarily, you know, difficult road games. This would be Florida the Atlantic, right? Florida, Florida Atlantic right? Yeah. one of them. Yeah, this yeah. will be the this will be the toughest game they've had all year. Not even yeah. close.
6: That's right. And uh, uh, the other game they went they went on the road and beat Penn State in the Big Ten ACC, which was a contracted thing. Which is frankly the only reason why Duke played a road game at Ohio State was because they were contracted to do it by the by the by ESPN for that for that event. So anyway, yeah, this is um this is a, a good chance. You know, again, Jim Laronega is a as a veteran coach, well respected. You know, before he did George Mason. Took him to the Final Four. Uh, he's he's won an ACC championship at Miami. He's had them in the Sweet Sixteen a couple of times, so he knows what he's doing, and uh, he's got this team on a roll right now. They've won eight games in a row, and uh, but again, they haven't faced a team like Duke, and that's why if you look at Ken Palm, you know, like Miami's number ninety-one in the country, so uh, they haven't they haven't been tested like like they have. Uh, they haven't played that kind of schedule yet. And now they're getting ready to really. Their conference schedule is a little bit backloaded. They're going to play, you know, they, they got Duke and they got some tough games coming up here. That you know, it's gonna it's gonna work its way out. But but they play at a quick pace. Uh, we saw the other night. I think they were down 18 points to Syracuse at home, and, and they they rallied, and won that game. They, they wore down Syracuse and won that game. So they stormed
1: back in a hurry, and that's you know, Duke loves to play fast too. So it's almost going to be a, in this case, it's going to be a war of attrition.
0: It is, and I,
6: I filed a story a little bit uh, a few hours ago uh, that's up on our website, newsobserver.com, news um, to give that a little quick plug. But uh, talking about this very thing, that Duke is, is not 100%, right? They're coming off COVID. They, they played a, a slow-paced Georgia Tech team the other night and won it on, with their defense, which was great because their offense was terrible because they they, their shooting was terrible. They're going to have to speed it up a little bit. They, they, they like to run, and that's been when they've been at their best but they don't have their wind right now like they have been because they had that, that little pause. So they're going to be challenged a little bit, and they're going to have to go a little deeper, I think, in their bench to keep everybody fresh. They can't have four starters playing 35 minutes like they did against Georgia Tech.
1: Yeah, th- th- there can't be a situation like South Alabama was last night against Appalachian State, and where clearly they're a top two, three team in that conference, and they played with seven guys and lost by 20 points to Appalachian State. So uh, especially in, in this scenario, Um, You do not want to be shorthanded in the slightest, but let's talk about Duke's mindset here as, as you know, they've only played uh, two conference games. Both of them have been at home. When you play as tough a non-conference schedule as they did, even against the mid-major teams, uh, Appalachian state gave them a, a big challenge. They had some pretty close games against some lesser opponents. Um, outside of that game. Uh you had that you, you beat Gonzaga. You beat a team that was in the National Championship game a year ago. Yeah, you lost to Ohio State, but that was that was a true road game, a true road test in a hostile environment. Um when you talk about where the ACC stands currently, um Duke's mentality I think has to be we are the best team in the ACC. We just haven't had a chance to show it yet because we've had a couple games pushed back.
6: That's right. They they were supposed to play road games last week at Clemson and Notre Dame, and uh, because of the COVID issues, those got postponed. Allowed to make them up later. So yeah, they haven't been. They, they missed out on those opportunities to 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 go on the road and stake their claim that way. But yeah, they do have that mentality that they're, they're the best team in this league, and um, it's a you know it's something they they try to carry into every season, obviously. But but this year, it's really shown to be true when when they're you know they're the only top twenty five team by far, nobody's even close, nobody's even close to getting into the top 25 yet, uh, besides them. And then you look at the other metrics, uh, there's nobody else in the top 30, uh, of Ken Palm besides Duke. Uh, I think Virginia Tech was now they're 0-3 in conference. They've kind of dropped down a little bit. So, um, yeah, they're, they're head and shoulders above everybody. And, you know, Duke hasn't won a regular season championship since 2010 in the ACC. So, if it's ever going to happen, and obviously this is the last year for Coach K, this it, it has to happen this year, or else something's gone really haywire.
1: Yeah, th- this would be the year to do it. If there was any year to to pull it off, this would be it. And uh, I asked you about this a couple of months ago when when the season started. Was is that you know a priority for this team mentally to to go into this season? feeling like they have to win for Coach K. But I, I almost feel like that's assumed at this point, that they know if they go out and play their best basketball, that's going to be the result.
6: Yeah, they've shown that their best will be better than anybody else in the conference because that win over Gonzaga, we saw that, right? We saw we saw them beat Kentucky up in New York uh, that way. Gonzaga's the best win, no, no doubt about that. But even, you know, the second half against Virginia Tech, they were trailing at halftime of that game, and they came out and just, you know, just, ran them off the court and ended up winning by 11 uh, that game. So um, they've shown they can win in different ways with different kinds of lineups, big and small and good ball handling lineups and and that kind of thing. So they have the versatility and the depth when they get back to a hundred percent to be better than anybody else in this conference. It's not even close. Uh,
1: Good that you brought up versatility really quickly, because I wanted to ask you about, about uh, Paulo Banquero and what you've seen with him in terms of how his game has evolved since the beginning of the year. It seems like he's stepping outside and shooting a lot more, maybe more than he should be, but he seems like he's mixing things up a a, a lot uh, and doing so well. And that's presenting a lot of, you know, odd looks for opposing defenses to where at times he just becomes, you know, to use the term, he becomes a unicorn. He becomes unguardable because he can do everything.
6: Exactly. And they've done that. They've put him in positions to be that way because, Sometimes I'll have him at the five. They did it against uh, Georgia Tech the end of the other night and Virginia Tech in the second half, where they put Mark Williams and Theo John on the bench. Have Ben Carroll play the five, bringing AJ Griffin off the bench, six seven freshman, to kind of play the four, and then you've got Wendell Moore and and Keels and, and Roach. So that puts Ben Carroll in in uh, odd matchups with the opposing big man, and it, it makes him really unguardable a lot of times. And uh, and also you mentioned his. He's got that that you know step back three pointer kind of that NBA move we've seen him, him pull off. Did it very well against Gonzaga, but like the other night, the team wasn't shooting very well and he wasn't shooting very well because they didn't have their legs. So in the second half, he started driving a little bit more, getting in the lane and scoring that way. So he's starting. That's how he's starting to grow. He's realizing, okay, this shot I didn't here tonight. I got to try and find some other way to score. And so that's a maturi- maturity and a mentality that uh, kind of happens as the season goes on, and we're starting to see that from him. And that is
1: 100% the biggest thing I've noticed in terms of his maturation is that he's noticing when that shot isn't there, he knows he has to he has to drive, he has to attack the basket, and that he can do so uh, at will because he's just he's built differently than a lot of other guys are out there. And I think from Duke's perspective as well, they feel like they have the depth also to make a run.
6: Definitely. Uh, and A.J. Griffin's a big part of that. He's come a long way since the start of the year. You know, when he missed time uh, uh, in, in in October with a sprained knee, and took him a little bit to get going. But now he's a consistent double figure scorer off the bench. Which how many teams have that going right? Uh, and you, you can also use him, and then you get your two bigs uh, with Williams and Theo John. You can you can flip flop to keep them fresh when you want to use them. They have a big lineup. They have a, what they call a good ball handling lineup. We need a different name for that. Something catchier. But um, they can throw different looks at people and, and on, on different nights and, and, and make them hard to prepare
1: for. 100% agree. Got to get in the break here, Steve. Thanks so much for coming on this afternoon. We really appreciate it.
6: Yeah. Good. Glad to be
1: with you on this maiden voyage of this one. It is the maiden voyage. That's, that's well put. This is why you come up with the better words and not me. Cause you're, you're the better writer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, when we come back, we'll dive into uh, Alabama, Georgia, um, and I'll wear my L's from my predictions of the semifinals after this. You are listening to The
4: Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza.
5: The wait is over. Simply Sonya's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern Cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's catering specials. Open now, Simply Sonya's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails, 3050 University Parkway, inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. Source
4: Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store, open to the public, and save. ChemSource Direct. 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515- 9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com.
0: Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville, Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com.
4: We love sports.
0: Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived.
4: Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports.
3: You better get the bait. He bad in Sugar Ray, he bad in that, who that you? The new boy, has? Mike, Mike Tyson, look like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He's a whip Mike Tyson there, he whip all that.
4: For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Masiano? In-depth, local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you
3: something once and all, Rocky Masiano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Masiano ain't...
4: And, of course, the best sports debate in the triad. It's Joe Lewis' ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio.
3: Joe years old
4: You're welcome. I
3: don't know how old it was, got
4: This is Donald Ware, host of Box to Row. Happy 2022. We're talking the late and legendary Sam Jones nfl and college football playoff all of that right here on box to row from press box to press road with donald Ware, saturdays at 9 a.m on tobacco road sports radio.com welcome back to the score with brett wiseman here on tobacco road sports radio.com
5: My
1: favorite band in the world, August Burns Red, brings us back here from break here on The Score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined uh, by Desmond Johnson. And uh, before we get into what's sure to be uh, a great national championship game coming up on Monday night, I have to wear my L's from my semifinal predictions. I said Michigan would not only win, but would win by 10 and hold Georgia to seven points because my my mind I hadn't seen Georgia play well that offensive play that well offensively until New Year's Eve, I was proven wrong um I'd said Alabama would win. I also said Cincinnati would cover that's not as big as l and l is the one I took in the two three matchup um and Des I'll pose you the question that a lot of people have been throwing around lately is Okay, we get why we're asking for expansion. But when we see the results of these semifinals, like year after year, be consistently double-digit, 2-3 touchdown, sometimes even four-score victories, does expanding the playoff make those games more competitive? I, I don't think it does. I think what makes everything leading up to it more competitive... I don't think it would inherently make every one of the, the semifinals or even the quarterfinals, if you expanded it that far out, um, more competitive.
4: I think we've gotten to a point where uh, Alabama may be, in fact, ruining college football. Um, and by that, I mean, it's almost like they've broken the, the code for what to do to get to the national championship game. Because they it's do it. It's doing. almost
1: like that. You remember when you would go to your book fair in elementary school and you'd have this like book of cheat codes for all those PS2 games? You yeah. Don't I do?
4: Well, uh, I, it's almost I like, have, ours was Nintendo, like old school NES. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you would go buy a book that had like all these cheat codes you would enter in for for games to, to beat. And well, Nick almost Saban like Nick, wrote this Nick book. Sa- Nick Saban there. literally authored the college football playoff cheat code book.
4: I, I mean, they're the only team in the country I can think of that. Pretty much, as assumed, can get into the national championship, uh, or at least the college football playoff, and not even win their division. Like I can't even think of another team. Maybe Ohio State, but even that, like that, it, 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 Alabama is the only one I can think of in the whole country where they're propped so high at the beginning of each year.
1: They don't even have to play in the won. SEC championship game to get no,
4: there. Th- I mean, this is the second time now where they'll be playing a national championship game, and they weren't uh well no no no. this year they did but uh lsu a couple years back was like that uh where basically lsu was forced to have to beat alabama twice in order to win the national championship uh after beating them the first time and i don't know there's something i, I don't i don't think that they need to expand so much the playoffs although that'd be more fun for uh fans like us right um in the end it would just be alabama versus somebody anyway so it's like I think the only thing that's going to slow Alabama down, to be perfectly honest, is the transfer portal. Yep. If the transfer portal stays the way they have it right now, which I don't think it can, to be honest. It's just like... There's, there's got to be changes right
1: because you can't have Spencer Rattler transfer because Caleb Williams has the job and then Caleb Williams is like, oh, I might transfer, but also yeah. I might stay here. I don't know yet.
4: And there's nothing stopping them from leaving. Like, No, there's, 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 there's no mechanism there is, whatsoever. Exactly. That's going to, that in the end is going to not only college football, but college basketball too, where it's the mentality of, it we're, to me, it's like, we're saying it's okay for you to quit. If you quit, it's okay. We got an avenue for you to go someplace else and get those minutes that maybe you didn't it's deserve. It's free yet.
1: agency, but it's like free agency worse. or steroids. Yeah, it's like worse it's than worse agency. because you can drop in the middle of the season and then go play somewhere else. You don't have to, you know, be waived or something like that. You have the opportunity to, you know, straight up quit mid game and basically waive yourself.
4: I think what they should do, uh, the NCAA, they should add an addendum to this rule where you have to play three years of college sports in order to be eligible to transfer to wherever you want. Like they need to put that back in or something. Where and then play, forever, you at least need to play wherever. At least need
1: to play two or three. I would something. lean towards three, but yeah. you can't play six games at you know, Clemson, and be behind, be a four-star and expect to go there, play six games, be behind three five-star guys in your position group, be like, oh, I'm I'm not getting the reps that I thought I was going to get. I'm now going to transfer to Eastern Washington or uh, Charlotte. You can't just See, go transfer to somewhere else that's going to right, play you mid-season. That's right just- down
4: the road from us, uh, Wake Forest, uh, they're dealing with it in their running backs room. Two running backs that I'm pretty uh, uh, familiar with uh, having been close to East Versailles. It's two former East Versailles running backs, Imani Marshall and uh, Christian Bill Smith. Imani Marshall announced he was transferring at the beginning of last week. Uh, he'd be going into sophomore year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Christian Bill Smith is a different situation. He walked. He graduated he has a year left of graduate year left uh with COVID and everything else. And with a crowded room, decided to go someplace else. I don't I don't knock that at all. With Amani, he immediately went to App State. So um, you know, it's of course just, I'm not upset with. Yeah, you're not gonna be mad about that at all. And Amani's a great running back, it's just a crowded room. And with the, the COVID extra year added on at a place like Wake Forest, where you got dudes that were there five, six years already. Now you're adding in a, a, an extra COVID you know eligibility year. Now you've got super, super seniors, which is why Wake was so good this year. They've got dudes out there that are
1: 25 years old. <laughs> Sam you know? Hartman yeah. still has another year, and Sam yeah. Hartman was starting games five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> before like I he, graduated high school. Like,
4: I wouldn't be surprised if Sam decided to go ahead and go pro. Like, he, he could at this point. But then I mean, again, very well could, but... Wake could win the ACC next year. You know, like, it, it, it's just, they've got so much coming back, and it's all experience. They're almost like a, in between college and pro team where, like, I don't know, like their age level is like mid-20s, but they're like juniors in college?
1: Let's put it this way. They're an entire team of Hunter Renfro's. (laughs) And they all seem like they've been there forever, but they still find a way to win.
4: But but in today's world, the the older teams are going to be the teams that win in college basketball and college football, where the paradigm has shifted for about – a decade we got used to in college basketball, looking at the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the Kansases of the world. that were bringing in these top 10 freshmen and were being ranked number one, number two, number three all year long. They wouldn't win the national championship, but they were the better teams. Uh, now you're going to see the teams that are older. They're going to I mean, look at Kentucky right now in basketball. They're an older team, but they're better than they were, you know, last year, year before. Uh, The teams that are at the top right now, Baylor, UCLA, those type of teams, they're all older. These teams are in the national championship game uh, on Monday. Georgia and Alabama, they're older teams. So,
1: I mean. The the Villanovas, the Seton Halls of the world. Pretty much the entire Big East is all. There's there's no young talent in the Big East, so to speak. Right. Uh, The Baylors and UCLA is like you said. Um, And in college football, too. I don't think Cincinnati had a guy. You know, that was even a junior. That was a key part of, of what they did all year. And that brings me back to the original point of this is I don't think it matters who Alabama is, would play in that semifinal. They, We said it. They've got the book. They could have played. Um, they could have gone in the NCAA 14 and played a classic team. And Alabama. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> well, they could have played an cool older fan. Alabama team. They could have <laughs> played Tennessee with Peyton Manning. And probably still find a way to win. You know, you uh, can play them. Give on. Nick,
4: yeah, you give Nick Saban two weeks; he's going to be pretty schemed up for whoever. He's
1: going to find a way. He's going to find the loophole. And the only
4: the only team that kind of outdid him on that would be Dabo and Clemson a couple right. of years. That, and you know, and that was just a matter of Clemson just had more talent for some reason on their side of the ball that night. But even that, we're seeing Clemson. People talking about Clemson falling off. They were a 10-win team. They lost three games this year, and one of them was to Georgia
1: that's <laughs> in this national championship game. So, I mean. That was a marquee game that turned out to be a lot closer than it should have, but the statement was made that night. Yeah, week one. That that uh, Georgia's defense was next level. Um, but like you said, if you give Nick Saban what, two weeks, but let alone the time he had to get ready for the SEC championship game and dismantle what we all thought was the best defense in a generation and and still is um, to do what they did to to Michigan. Um, Nick Saban's got to have the book on this Georgia defense, but on the flip side of things, the Georgia defense has a lot of tape to watch as to what they did wrong. So who are you picking? I'm almost hesitant to after what happened last time. (laughs) You don't want to do that...
4: uh that broadcaster curse
1: <laughs> no well i had to brand a giant l on my chest after i said georgia would only score seven points oh
5: lord no uh, i
4: thought michigan was going to win that game but i didn't say that they would hold them to seven points i i didn't i wasn't
1: that <laughs> I, I was of the opinion that i had not seen georgia play good offense the entire year outside of against vanderbilt and tennessee and Samford and little sisters of the poor. I hadn't seen them play good offensively. They sure did. I don't trust Georgia. That's the the thing for me because we we see all this and then they go up against Alabama in the sec championship game and they lay an egg. Yeah. I don't know that we can trust anybody other than Alabama right now. And it, it, it irks me to say that.
4: That makes me bored with college football.
1: Exactly. Like,
4: if I know week one, the, by the time we get to the end of this, it's going to be Alabama versus someone. And now that someone, it's like a handful of like three teams, like feasibly, like Michigan was a pleasant surprise in the college football playoff. But I think everyone was kind of thinking, we're probably going to get Alabama, Georgia. And it felt like half the country didn't want it because we just saw it like, you know, a couple weeks ago. So there's nothing to make us think there's going to be anything different, but. Going back to your original question about expansion, I wouldn't mind it. But if they did it, I'd want it to be done the way, like you know, division two is done, where it's like 16 teams and the the higher seed host and that thing and that kind of way, and then you know, eventually you get to the Rose Bowl and you know the semifinals or whatever. That could be fun, and maybe something like that would be the thing that you know gets Alabama knocked out of there because they're having to play, you know, four games instead of two, and who knows? Maybe they run across a I don't know who would have been in the top 10 this year that I would have been like, they might give Alabama some trouble. Uh, like Georgia's offense doesn't really scare, like their quarterback situation doesn't really scare anybody. And uh, I can't think of a team where I, other than Clemson, but not this year, like a program where I could be like, if it's Alabama, Clemson in the semifinal, I'm like, oh, you know what? Clemson might be able to pull that off because they, I've seen them do it. Right. None of these other teams have done it. So it's like, what are we doing? I'm not even sure if I'm going to watch the college football national championship. I'm I, feel like I don't are know if you know gonna- I'm
1: going to be entertained for that log, but I'm going to watch. Like, uh, do, you th- do you think they have any chance of uh, winning? I think Georgia has an outside chance. But this is Alabama we're talking about. Especially after what they did the last time. I, I don't trust Georgia. I don't trust Georgia to fix what they did wrong. I trust Alabama to find more loopholes.
4: I, I mean, how many rings does Nick Saban have at this point? Is it seven, eight? I think it is. Seven? I
1: think it's 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 about to be eight. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay.
4: So I don't know what they can do. To figure, I mean, they may very well expand because these other conferences are going to ask for them to, but because uh, they want extra shots to try to beat Alabama. But right. The one thing that always bothers me is that when people start chanting SEC or any of that like garbage, the SEC was horrible in bowl season this year. If it wasn't for Alabama at the very top, I, I don't even know. I could say the SEC is the second best conference in college football. You know, it, it's always Alabama and somebody. But then once you get out of the top, it, I mean, it's Vanderbilt and you know it's garbage at <laughs> the very, very bottom usually. Uh, and they end up eating each other. So. I don't have an answer for how to fix this, but I'm sure these other conferences are looking around like, you know, hell, Oklahoma and Texas are about to go into
1: the SEC. And I don't know if that's going to weaken Alabama one bit. Why do you think the Big 12 added all those people? But yeah, I mean, the only thing that can slow Alabama down is... Sorry, I can't think of one. Nothing's... (laughs) Nothing's slowing them down. I tried, trust me. Um, uh, like a hurricane or something. Like I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. Half the half the campus gets taken out by a natural disaster. I get, I, I don't know.
4: COVID? I mean, that, that's probably even COVID. They've kind of gotten through that too. So notice that none of the college football playoff teams had any issues with COVID. Right. Not a one. And these and other was, teams there was a like,
1: contingency going in, but yeah, all these other bowl game teams had issues with COVID. Wake Forest had to play Rutgers for God's sake, yeah. uh, which. By the way, it was interesting when I found out how Rutgers got into that game. Rutgers was placed into that game because of their academic success rate as a team.
4: I saw that. I think I did see that somewhere.
1: I didn't know that was a determining factor uh, or that there was a determining factor period for to pick a team to fill in on the bowl game, but apparently it was. Leave it to Rutgers and Wake Forest, two of the most academically— uh, Proficient institutions to play each other in a ball game. It's like two Ivy League schools playing each other in lacrosse. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but as, as for the score uh, of the Natty, I'm going to go 35 to 17 Alabama.
4: Yeah, Alabama's going to put up 35 on Georgia?
1: They did last time. That's true.
4: That's true. It that was a neutral spot. That's all that's true. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it would not surprise me at this point if uh, on Tuesday morning we're sitting here looking at it like, dang, Alabama just did it again. Like, it doesn't really even feel like out of the ordinary at this point. It's kind of almost expect – it's almost like LeBron James in the NBA finals. Except if Alabama's in the college football national championship, you kind of expect them to win. Well, LeBron is just like, eh, he might, he might not. It's kind of a 50-50 type thing here. But we do kind of expect to see him in June. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things. It feels weird if he's not playing in June. It'd feel weird if Alabama went in the national championship game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It would feel weird Would i have loved to see Cincinnati there. Yeah, but it would have felt weird not to. And it's going to feel weird if Georgia, by some miracle of the imagination, is able to pull this off. Got to get in the break. When we come back, we will uh, dive into the association next here
4: on The Score. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza.
5: This is Donald Ware, host of Box to Row. Happy 2022. We're talking the late and legendary Sam Jones, NFL and college football playoff. All of that right here on Box to Row. From Press Box
4: to Press Row with Donald Ware. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we ask the tough questions. Hey, you got any left-handed footballs? We're never afraid to tell you how we feel.
3: Oh, we look like the damn bad news bears.
4: We'll debate sports. We'll debate anything. Man,
3: you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther King. Not the winner. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not.
4: No matter what, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has you covered.
6: I'm going to come
0: right back at it.
4: You're listening to Tobacco Road Sports Radio.
0: Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville, Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com.
4: One stop number six, located at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's the holidays, and what better way to feed your parties and gatherings than one-stop chicken? Get the whole thing. Feeds eight people, 16 pieces of chicken, 30 taters, eight rolls, and eight sides of coleslaw or potato salad for only $34.79. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. That's one stop number six. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the Triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio's TGIF lineup.
1: Because it's Friday.
4: You ain't got no job, and you ain't got what you should do. I ain't set this up. I ain't know nothing about this. This is the most incredible thing I'm ever to. Let me tell
5: you about that. You're
4: welcome. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Welcome back to the score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. <laughs>
1: We're back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside Desmond Johnson. Uh, Des, something just came out a a few moments ago that uh, I'd like to to say before we move on. This will be the last thing I say about Antonio Brown, I promise. Uh, Brown, when asked about (laughs) he and Tom Brady's relationship, quote, Brown says Tom Brady is his friend because, quote, he needs me to play football.
4: I mean, where's the lie? That
1: sounds about right to me.
4: Like, he wouldn't be friends with Antonio Brown if he, you know, was ringing up his grocery order or, yeah, you know, delivering his he, pizza. He doesn't,
1: he doesn't need him to play football. He needs somebody yeah. to throw to.
4: <laughs> Matt, Antonio Brown was employed probably about a month longer than he should have been because of Tom Brady. Correct. Like Tom, Tom Brady. Tom Brady stuck up for Yeah, Tom Brady's the reason why he was still there after the, I think Bruce Arians wanted him gone after the COVID vaccine card. Actually, I think he wanted him gone before that. But I, don't, I think I don't Steve necessarily
1: know that Bruce Arians wanted him. Period.
4: Yeah. Right. But exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's just gonna. I'm thinking between now and then. You know, I'm gonna rest my head, go to sleep, wake like up in the morning, do the rundown at 10 a.m. There'll be like three more tweets from Antonio Brown that pushes this into someplace else.
1: You will back another song too, for all we know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> the song look i know my taste in music is limited to one genre but the song sucked i'm sorry i haven't heard
4: it yet i haven't listened to it yet so save your
1: eardrums because they'll probably bleed not worth it awful um don't even give him the, the one cent he'll get from spotify if you stream it it's not not even worth the penny um how about the association Uh, real quickly here, and and the Charlotte Hornets specifically. Let's start there. Um, Since we last saw you all, or since you all heard us, um, the Hornets, to some degree, returned to full strength. Um, They've been playing some really, really good basketball of late, and then they've been playing some really not good basketball late. It's the same old, same old with this team. It's the ups and downs. It's the highs and the lows, but um, the big three I, I think it's safe to call them that now. Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, and Miles Bridges, they're now a big three in my mind. And first, before we dive into specifics, I want to give the Hornets marketing team all the credit in the world for the all-star campaign that they're putting together for LaMelo, Terry, and Miles Bridges. It's called Buzz City Burgers, if you haven't seen it. They've recreated Good Burger. Arguably the greatest Nickelodeon movie of all time. I think so. Great movie, fantastic film, fantastic skit on all that. If you right remember it's, 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 that, yeah,
4: I'm a little, I'm out, I'm out of that, uh, that age range. I'm a little bit older, so I don't really remember.
1: <laughs> Sha- Shaq was in Good Burger. Come on, ah, I mean... Shaq was in it. Sinbad was in it. <laughs> Keenan, Kel. A lot of good people in there and of course uh dan schneider who created every show that was ever on nickelodeon uh good. anyways uh brilliant job they actually filmed a 45 second spot where the three of them work at buzz city burgers you've got lamello fries you've got uh miles's secret sauce I and mean, it's it's brilliant if you go to the website buzzcityburgers.com there's an actual menu uh that you can read and but uh If you go to order now, it's just links to vote for them for the All-Star game. So, um, again, brilliant. And the Hornets have done that over the years. Before the 2016 election, um, they used an election thing to get Kemba Walker to the All-Star game. This is nothing new to the Hornets marketing team, but still brilliantly done. Um, When you look at this Charlotte team, though, Dez sitting eighth in the Eastern Conference right now, a half game ahead of the Washington Wizards, which being eighth does not mean in 2022, what it meant even a couple of years ago because of the play-in, which the Hornets got stuck in last year, and we all remember the results. So.
4: I mean, people got to keep in mind, the Hornets, if I'm not mistaken, this was true up until the beginning of last week, I think. Uh, the Hornets had played more actual games than the other team in the NBA, and they had played more road games uh, than any other team in the NBA. Um, yeah, they're sitting here literally they're at twenty and nineteen. They played thirty nine games. Miami's played thirty nine now too. They're ahead uh, them in the uh, southeast standings, but and
1: they've played a lot of games shorthanded
4: too. Right, but they, they've, they've had COVID. just enough.
1: They've had just enough guys to play.
4: And th- in a way, I think that might help them, you know, later on in the year because it got a lot of young legs some run.
1: Look, uh, Jam- James, booknight, James Booknight James yeah. booknight impressed the heck out of me. He and, yeah. uh, and JT Thor both uh, in in one of those two games against Philly. Uh, back in, in early December. Um, but again, Booknight, get, get Kai Jones looked really good when he played. Um, but look, this is a, for the first time in a while, we can say this team has depth. right? I mean, that's not something we can say a lot of the time. And Mason Plumlee, is it the solution that a lot of people thought he would be at center? Um, and that's certainly something to look at at the trade deadline. Uh, Miles Turner is, for all we know of, as available as available gets. DeMarcus Cousins was just waived by the Milwaukee Bucks earlier this morning. Um, so then, and, you know, we'll look at the, you know, the stats and everything here in a little bit, but look, when you look at this roster, I know I've said this for three years now, a top-line center is the missing piece that has been gone since Al Jefferson left.
4: I think. Th- I think for them, though, I think they're trying to figure out whether or not they're content to just kind of sit on the centers because they have centers on this team. They're just all young. You know, right. Nick Richards is 24.
1: That's what I'm saying. Uh, Mason Plumlee's not the not the top-line veteran solution that they thought he was going to be. No, Nick it, Richards it, it, has gotten a lot of playing time. Vernon Carey still hasn't been brought up. I don't know why he wasn't brought up. He's, uh, 20. With the other guys, but yeah. he's twenty
4: years old. I mean, that's, that's crazy. It. Vernon Carey yeah. played college basketball three years ago, <laughs> you know, at Duke, and was player of the year in the conference. And he's been kind of tucked away on the swarm for the past two years. For for Charlotte, he's on this team, but he may be undersized as a center in the NBA, six nine uh, for Carey. But they've got dudes on this team. Kai Jones, uh, he's twenty. G-G's you know, so, more is he thor he's 20 or he's 19 so yeah, it's he's like,
1: 19 yeah do
4: you cuz whoever you go try to get whether it's like a i don't know a, a sabonis or somebody like that if you cuz i know indiana's kind of shopping some guys now let's say you do that what does that make charlotte are you willing to trade your young talent for a shot to be in the middle of the pack right now or would you rather just kind of sit on it, let them build experience. They kind of remind me of, like, 2012, 2013 Golden State. Yeah. Like before Golden State really started to take off, Steph was dealing with ankle injuries a lot. Um, they still had, like – Clay had been drafted, but I think they still had uh, – uh, who was the guard? He was there when uh, when they drafted Steph. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember. went blank. They ended up trading them off because they were trying to play them together. Uh, but they had opportunities to trade uh, Steph. They had opportunities to trade Clay. And they didn't. They held on to him and built around them. And I think that's what the Hornets should do here with uh, with Ball and Bridges in particular. They should be building around those two as their core. LaMelo Ball is 20. Miles Bridges is 23.
1: And when you look at the stats of all the list-
4: I think we'll be lost Brett here. Standby.
1: I think we got you back. Yeah. Can we, can we all hear me now? Yeah, there you are. I might not sound as good as I once did. I believe my, uh, so, microphone came unplugged but that's that's what happened when you there we go That's what happens are. when you're on live on the radio and yeah. these things happen but uh like i was saying miles bridges is averaging 19 and a half a game lamello's averaging 19.3 um lamello also leads the team in rebounds assists and steals so yeah there's your court but if you look below that rosier hayward Ubrey and pj washington are all averaging double digits in terms of points Kelly Oubre hit nine threes in one quarter uh, the other night. So that was awesome. he's proving to be more than worth the money. Gordon Hayward seems to finally be coming into his own, uh, at least as far as this year goes. He was a big key uh, to, to a fair amount of wins last year. But uh, this is, you know, the results might not show it uh, uh, recently. Um But when you look at the teams that they've had to play, I mean, that West Coast road trip, they've had to play the Suns twice uh, in the past three weeks. Uh, They had to go out West. And look, at the start of this whole stretch here, they had to play Philly twice. They had to play the Mavericks, Blazers, Suns, Jazz, Nuggets, uh, Suns again. And then there's games they shouldn't have lost and then games they should have won and ended up losing. Um... It's the same old story with this team, but I don't think you can go off this last stretch and bookmark that as where this team stands. Because, like we said, they went into that West Coast road trip without a lot of their key players. And the fact that they sit where they sit right now, going into um, going towards the halfway point of the season now, towards the all star break and the trade deadline. Yeah, the wheels are turning in the front office, but the same time, I don't really want to shake anything up at this point, especially when five guys are averaging double digits in points and somebody like Ish Smith that you brought in for the veteran minimum is playing some of the best basketball of his career.
4: Yeah, I would I would leave the roster as it stands and if, you know, the Hornets get a 5 seed or a 6 seed or something like that this year, that's great. That's progress. This team was nowhere near the playoffs, you know, just 2 years ago. You get LaMelo Ball, he's a franchise changer. And uh, Mitch Kupchak has done a fantastic job rebuilding this roster in three years through the draft. Like, if you look at the the talent that this dude has drafted in just the past three years between LaMelo Ball, Miles Br- – well, I don't remember – I think yeah, Kupchak did draft uh, Miles Bridges. Uh, Vernon Carey, who was a second-round pick. Uh, Kai Jones, who they traded up to go get. Uh, Cody Martin was a second-round pick. Jaylen McDaniels was a second-round pick. Nick Richards was a second-round pick. You know what I mean? Like they 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 successfully got Kimba Walker off the roster and replaced him with, to be honest, a younger version of him and Terry Rozier, uh, and that's worked out great. And and uh, P.J. Washington. So I mean, they, they they have built this team the way Golden State built their team, early you know a decade ago, which was primarily through the draft, and you start bringing in a couple pieces here and there, Gordon Hayward, uh, Ish Smith. Terry Rozier who was you know brought in on the swap with Kemba they're they're doing fine like i could see this team by the time lamelo is 22 23 so like in the next 2 years 3 years i could see this team competing for a top 3 spot in the east if they can keep the core together if they can keep ball bridges and like you said uh probably uh rozier that's probably your big 3 uh, right there, and if, looking around the East, that's not a bad big three to have. It's probably the youngest big three out there, but uh, that's that ain't bad at all when two of the three are, are 23 or younger.
1: Yeah, exactly, and again, we said this is a team that has more depth than we've seen in recent years, and while they were really close to being one of those top six teams in the East last year and ended up in the play-in tournament— it's more imperative now to get above that 6-7 cut line um, to not be in the play-in tournament.
4: Yeah. I, I don't know if I like the whole play-in thing.
1: No, I, uh, I hate it. But.
4: I did last year because it gave us Golden State versus L.A., which was awesome with Steph and LeBron in a one-game. We're, we're not going to get go that. Down. It's like yeah.
1: the MLB was- wildcard game. Yeah, it's we're like, not going to get that this year. We're going to get Yankees, Red Sox, but we're going to get that one out of seven years. And on the flip side, we're going to get, you know, a team that's really good get punished for being good because someone else is just slightly better. In the case of the Los Angeles Dodgers, they won 105 games and their prize was a one-game playoff. Yeah. In I mean, the NBA, it's not necessarily the same thing, but like you take L.A., was what, like two or three games away from being above that line? And they end up there. Yep. I mean, I don't know.
4: Going back to your original question with the Hornets and and the roster and the way it's configured right now, of course, keeping LaMelo Ball happy is the number one concern because he is your franchise changer. He's the reason why Charlotte's become that team to watch uh, and pairing him with Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges has has completely uh, changed his game to be a, a threat, you know, as a scorer, uh, and Rogier's out of a slump. So, I mean, again, Charlotte, I was trying to go see record-wise, uh, they're 20 and 19, they're second in the Southeast uh, division, but I wanted to see how their record had broken down uh, home and away, and I hadn't got to that part, but uh, they've got a lot of home games coming up here in January. Uh, and I think they can start to move up that playoff ladder because of it.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And as we said, it, it, it is imperative to get above that line 100% um, because of how we saw the plan uh, affect things for this team uh, last year. Let's look at the uh, the the league overall here while we have a minute. Um, And, of course, the Western Conference is is stacked, as it always is. But, um, look, Phoenix is, I think, better than they were a year ago. And they've proven that already. They had that really long win streak earlier on in the year. Golden State is back to their true form. And Klay Thompson potentially could be back on the floor uh, this weekend. Um, That's a huge add for them. Uh, Utah is back playing up to form. but. I want to get to the Memphis Grizzlies because in that game against LA uh, a few days ago, or I believe it was last week, John Morant went toe-to-toe with LeBron James in terms of scoring, in terms of carrying his team. And the question had been asked, okay, John Morant is there. We know he's playing good. But has he, like, arrived as Luka Doncic arrived a year or two ago? Has he arrived like Devin Booker arrived? he's here he's arrived yeah yeah he's here
4: it's crazy too because it's like you kind of forget that you know he's in the same draft as zion williamson like he he wasn't picked to be that dude out of the draft zion was supposed to be and it's almost like zion's become an afterthought and john morant's kind of stepped into that role as you know i'm the dude out of this draft and he may very well be because i you know i've been on record with uh, my thoughts about Zion and his weight and everything else, and I don't even know if they're going if he's going to play this year. Uh There's kind of no reason to bring him back with uh, the Pelicans. They're 14 and 25. They're in you know the 13th slot in the West. There's no way they're going to contend for a, a spot. So why well, put extra strain on those legs? But with John Morant, man, he's doing stuff uh, that we have never really seen from a guy his size and. It's crazy that Morant and Zion both played on the same AAU team as
1: kids. It's nuts. And, you know, you said it. You don't need to risk that with Zion. But I have a hard time believing that John Morant shouldn't be in the discussion for a a top five player in this league. Ooh, that's – hmm top five? I don't know about top five. I'd say at the bottom bottom of the top five, maybe like top six. I, I, what I'm getting at is a lot of things I see from people, and of course I'm more in tune to hockey than I am to the NBA, but what I see from a lot of people is that, and it's part of the fact that the Grizzlies are a small market team. Um, Lamelo has only gotten to his public stature really because of who he was before that in terms of notoriety. uh, People only knew John Moran is, oh my God, he's from a no name school.
4: Yeah. Well, other oh, than that, you know, well, that, had you know had a little run in the tournament. That's kind of what put uh, his name out there. And then the Association design Zion or whatever, you know, that team, people kind of start seeing who he was then. But I didn't really, he didn't really come to focus for me until the, the uh, the March Madness run. They had right. a little run there. Um, and other than Zion, that draft, Actually, I take that back. That was a pretty strong draft. It yeah, was a RJ good Draft in there, and yeah, Cam Reddish was in there. Um, yeah, Cam Johnson came out of that draft. Yeah, that was that was a pretty strong draft. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I could put him in top five, but like right off the top of my head, I'm thinking Steph, Durant, Giannis, the Joker. Right. Hard, nah, I wouldn't put hard LeBron. LeBron
1: is still top five. I'd say Morant at least in in the discussion for 10. for maybe top, top ten. 10. Yeah, yeah maybe, I, I could. And I, maybe what, even what even I've him. seen is that he it's the it's the he hasn't arrived argument, but he's there. Well, he's
4: got to do something in the postseason. That that's what will separate. He hasn't
1: got the opportunity yet. I, yeah, I, this year I think he does because they actually have a team around him to be competitive all year, and they sit fourth in the West right now. Even if they fall down to six, as long as they stay above that six seven cut line and stay out of the play-in, I think they, they got a real opportunity to to do some, some really special stuff. Uh, one more thing uh, before we break one more time here. Um, when you look back at the East, Chicago is not necessarily better than we thought they would be. I think we had a feeling they'd be this good, but I think we also had a feeling that the Knicks were going to be out to prove last year wasn't a fluke. And while last night was one of the best games I've watched in a while in terms of just entertainment value, the garden was rocking. Evan Fournier, I don't know, lit himself up with liar fluid at halftime and had 40 some odd points, like 35 of which were in the second half. RJ Barrett banks in the game winner. Um, Two historic franchises going like that toe to toe and, even though Boston is right below New York in terms of the standings, New York's 10th, Boston's 11th. Um, When you get down to below Atlanta, I think then you're going to see Sellers, but this is a very crowded Eastern Conference as compared to the West, where we know really who the 10 best teams are, and that ends with San Antonio. There's teams below that 10 spot, two, potentially three, if Indiana figures it out, uh, that could make things interesting.
4: Yeah, uh, it's funny. The Wizards, the Knicks, they all started out like red hot. At the, beginning the, of the Wizards season. were so, the yes, best. Yeah.
1: The Hornets beat the Wizards and the Warriors in back-to-back games, who at the time were the two best teams in their respective conferences.
4: And they've both fallen back down to earth. Uh, I, I Really, looking at the Eastern Conference, I kind of look at it like the cutoff is the eight with the Hornets because after that, you get to – I mean, the Wizards, yeah, they got – Bradley Beal and a couple of spare parts from the, the Houston trade uh, right. a year ago, but I don't see them really causing a, a ruckus in the East. The Knicks, I, I could see the Knicks going a little bit of a run and move up. Like I kind of put them where Charlotte is in terms of them being a young team, trying to figure out what they are, uh, and they're going to get some lumps as they go. The team that stands out to me like a sore thumb is Cleveland. Like Cleveland isn't supposed to be here, but Cleveland's trotting out like three seven footers like in their starting lineup and like they're just kind of they're playing old school Carolina Tar Heel basketball or they're just like playing volleyball with the with the basketball pretty much and uh teams got used to spreading out and everybody at the three-point line and stuff I'm old school like I'd rather take the five-footer any day of the week I'd rather see a dunk than a 40-foot three-point shot and with uh Cleveland I'm just kind of sit back and seeing what they're doing because Colin Sexton, if I'm not mistaken, he's out for the year, isn't he? He is. He's done for the year. Yeah, and they're doing this. I mean, they're in sixth seed. They're 21 and 17. Uh they they're six and four in their last 10 games. Like they they they're interesting. They're an interesting team. But then then you get to like the heavy hitters in the East, the 76ers, the Heat, the Bucks, the Nets, the and the Pulls. <laughs>
1: Especially Bulls. with Kyrie coming back as a as a part time player. That also throws a bit of a wrench into things here. I don't like that.
4: I don't really. Think gonna, yeah, I don't think that's going to benefit Brooklyn at all. Uh, if anything, I think it might it might hurt them because
1: you think it most, throws off the chemistry a little bit.
4: A little bit, because I mean, if you're only going to have him on the road games. Uh, like, what does that do? Like, you can't really game plan for to have him when series time comes around, other than maybe two or three games at that, and that's just really hard. You work a whole year, eighty two plus games, to build continuity. And now you're going to start sprinkling in a little Kyrie Irving on top of it. Uh, maybe it's because I'm the type where I'm looking at Kyrie like, dude, just go get the shot. You know what I mean? Like, just go get it. Like it's it's a work requirement. Go get your shot if you want to be an NBA player. Go get your shot. I get it. Personal preference. Blah blah blah. Well, it's the personal preference of the Brooklyn Nets to not pay you. <laughs> you know, if you don't right. want to, to work. You know, it's, so it it's your requirement
1: of, of your employer. And look, yeah, it works as both much twice. As much as I agree with Aaron Rodgers stance on, on vaccines and Carson Wentz's stance and, you know, some other guys in the NBA that came out and, and shared Kyrie's sentiment. Um In Kyrie's case, unlike the other guys that have spoken out, the state in which he plays and is employed has a vaccine mandate. It's what and you I, have to do. Same and it's not going to
4: get, le- like, lesser or anything. Yes, I mean, the case if, is if anything,
1: it's, Yeah, if anything, it's more so now. Uh-huh. And, look, it's... Again, I'm all for having your own opinion on it, but your employer requires it. You want to keep your job, you get the shot. Um,
4: but they're going back against that though by letting right. them play. You right. know, like so exactly. it's almost like they're, he's going to get away with basically being a part-time NBA player because the the nets are run out of people to, to to play because of COVID. So it's right. like I don't know. It's like and, almost, and let let me say this,
1: now. and and uh, well, we'll we'll actually get to that in in the next segment. Um, yeah. As far as the views go. Um, the story, I don't think we've ever talked about tennis once on this show, but there's a storyline developing before we go to break, um, that I want to touch on. Novak Djokovic is currently being detained by the Australian government in a detainment hotel, basically, uh, because his visa has not been approved to go play the Australian open next week because he is not vaccinated. And in order to get a work visa to enter Australia, you have to be vaccinated. Huh. So why are they holding him? Like, they're holding oh him because God, he's I'm not total, vaccinated. Like he can't go home. They <laughs> can't just send him back where he came. He's trying to get an exemption um, for that vaccine mandate until that exemption comes, because he is from out of the country and not vaccinated. And Australia is probably the strictest country when it comes to COVID, uh, has been since this all began. He can't leave his hotel room. Period. Wow. wow. He's and he's being detained by the government. So throw that on top of there. Uh, when we come back, uh, yeah, let's let's do some hockey.
4: You are listening to the score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the Triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Looking to change things up a little? Visit Salon Resi. Located at 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy, Salon Resi is the newest high-end full-service salon and spa in the Triad. Salon Resi Spa includes massages and skincare. Get a full highlight treatment, shampoo and style, color and retouch, and much, much more. Salon Resi, where passion and creativity meet. 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy. One stop number six, located at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's the holidays, and what better way to feed your parties and gatherings than one-stop chicken? Get the whole thing. Feeds eight people, 16 pieces of chicken, 30 taters, eight rolls, and eight sides of coleslaw or potato salad for only $34.79. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. That's one stop number six
0: beamer tire and auto repair now with three locations across the triad in high point greensboro and our new location in kernersville beamer tire and auto offers full service auto repair all tire brands free alignment checks oil changes and more in kernersville check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop check out their thousands of five-star ratings via google and yelp they care because they know that you can go anywhere so try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com.
4: Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road radio.com.
1: Back here on the score with Brett Wiseman. Uh, thanks to Like Most the Flames uh, for bringing us back there. Uh, they have an upcoming show uh, here in North Carolina. Uh, if you are at all interested in that, coming up in April, uh, they'll be in Greensboro at the Blind Tiger. Um, just throwing that out there. Uh, very good band to see live. Uh, if there's any sport on the planet that matches my music taste, it's hockey. Uh, so let's get to it, shall we? Um, it's safe to say, I think, as far as the past year and a half have gone and it's still going, the state of Florida is now the state of hockey. No, it's not Minnesota. You lost the winter classic in sub-zero temperatures to a team from St. Louis, who I'm a fan of, of course, but... You don't get to call yourself the state of hockey when you're basically playing pond hockey like you supposedly have your whole lives and you give up four goals in one period. Sorry. Anyways, especially when two teams from warm weather climates are playing out of their minds, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers are playing some of, if not the best hockey I've seen either of those teams play. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. I haven't seen—Tampa Bay hasn't had Nikita Kucherov for this long. Saw him play good the last time he was on IR, but, you know, there's that. When you look at—and these two teams played each other in the playoffs last year, by the way. When you look at where things stand as far as the two of them go, there's a two-point difference between them. Tampa sits at 23-8-5. and five. They got 51 standings points. Florida's 22-7-5, they, they sit at 49. Um, goaltending is exceptional. Their play of their defensive core, especially when they get involved offensively, is exceptional. And when you're talking about being in a division with Toronto and Boston and Montreal, who is not even close to what they were last year, uh, they're still there, though. Um you're not in that tough a division outside of those two teams. So, and as, you know, mediocre as Boston has been playing lately, it's not out of the realm of possibility Tampa Bay and Florida could pretty much run away with the one and two spots and, you know, beat the ever living dog snot out of each other for the top seed in that division. Um, Let's stick in house though, to the Carolina hurricanes um, very quickly. They said it at 23-7 and 1, 47 standings points, one out of the two-way tie atop the Metro between the Washington Capitals and the New York Rangers. Frederick Anderson is back. That is the biggest storyline right now for the Canes. Freddie's back. Your netminder that played so well earlier on in the year, it's what the Hurricanes have been missing, as a guy that can stand on his head when they need him to and make make spectacular saves. Sometimes you need a guy to do that. You need a guy at that talent level. Freddie Anderson is that guy. They get him back, and they put him, you know, they put in front of him a defensive core that is also playing, much like Tampa Bay, some of the best hockey that they've played as a unit um, that I've seen. So, um, but there's, there's a lot of competition in that division below them. Pittsburgh has won 10 games in a row now. Uh, they have surpassed Carolina's nine-game win streak from earlier in the year for the longest of the year. New Jersey and Philadelphia are still playing really well. Uh, there's not a team in that division that has lower than 10 wins, where in every other division there's at least one team that has less than 10 wins, has 10 or less wins. So there's definite competition there, and when you get your starting goalie back, that's, that is a, it's a vitally important piece of the puzzle going forward uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. It's going to do it for us on our, as Steve Wiseman calls it, our maiden voyage here on The Score with Brett Wiseman. Special thanks to him, to Josh Scott, to Alex Wober, and to our wonderful producer, Desmond Johnson. Have a great weekend, everybody, and of course, stay safe.